This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. For the third time since 2019, the Panthers have made a midseason head coaching change. One in 10 Carolina, well on its way to a sixth consecutive losing season, fired Frank Reich. The offense has been stagnant. Rookie quarterback Bryce Young has struggled. Only one way to describe the organization for unsportsmanlike co-host Chris Canty. It's ugly for the Carolina Panthers. I mean, the whole Bryce Young situation, now you're adding another layer of dysfunction around him while he's continuing to try to develop and live up to being the number one overall pick. Carolina also fired assistant head coach, running backs coach Deuce Staley, and quarterbacks coach Josh McCown. Special teams coordinator Chris Tabor takes over as interim coach. Giants GM Joe Shane says the team still looks at quarterback Daniel Jones as their starter when healthy. They will, however, have to address the QB position in some capacity due to the uncertainty of when Jones will return from a knee injury. The recovery could take until the summer or beyond. An MRI showed Buccaneers quarterback Baker Mayfield did not suffer any fractures or major structural damage to his injured right ankle. The Raiders waving veteran cornerback Marcus Peters one day after his benching. Hey, it's Evan Cohen. It's Giving Tuesday, and ESPN Radio will celebrate ESPN's commitment to funding critical research to find a cure. It's Unsportsmanlike, Tuesday morning, right here on ESPN Radio, ESPN2, and ESPNU. From the capital of the Commonwealth, this is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. And we've got a bonus edition of Mashup Monday for you. Normally, Matt and I... Uh, Join forces for the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Matt has agreed to stick around for another half hour or so since neither one of us have been on very much of late, last week being the holiday week and other things going on. Um, And then this week, I've only got a couple of shows because of Richmond basketball and Richmond football. So we're going to keep it going here until uh, the bottom of the hour with Matt, and then I'll finish it up and take you home until 6 o'clock. Hopefully you were with us in the 4 o'clock hour and have carried over to the 5 o'clock hour. And as we finished up in the 4 o'clock hour, I kind of promised a little bit that Matt and I would do a little cheerleading about our favorite NFL team, uh, the, the Eagles, and we will get to that. But I was reminded by a friend of mine who texted when he heard that we were going to talk about the Eagles that he was going to tune out. I'll bet he didn't tune out. I'll bet he's still listening. Uh, and he's a Dallas fan. And he was like, oh, you've got the Dallas Cowboys on your radio station. You should probably talk about the Dallas Cowboys. So here's the context, Matt, in which I'll talk about the Dallas Cowboys. They smoked the Washington Commanders so bad on Thanksgiving that they forced the Commanders to finally make some moves with their coaching staff. It came way too late. You and I are on the same page on this one. Jack Del Rio should have been gone after the Chicago game when they would have had 10 days to to make some changes. Um, And I realize they've got 10 days here, but the season is quickly slipping away from them if it hasn't already uh, i just uh, it, it you know obviously making the playoffs could have been tough you rookie quarterback and i know this whole season is literally just deciding about sam howell but like it just sends a bad message that that here you have a public disaster on a thursday night 
And you have 10 days to make a change. And if your change was going to put Ron Rivera as the defensive coordinator, you could have very easily done that on that Thursday night or that Friday morning after the Bears game and show the fans that this that it is a difference. Daniel Snyder wouldn't have fired him. There's a difference. There's a new owner. And yet they did the same thing because Josh Harris is saying, oh, I'm here. Everybody should be just happy. And that that's not the case. Here's where you and I are going to disagree, although maybe your opinion is changing. I don't know. But I think this move, and look, Josh Harris instigated this move. I know what the press release said. I get all that. But Josh Harris is the owner. He's not going to wait for Ron Rivera to come to him. He's going to him and saying, make changes. So they, they made those changes. But they didn't change the head coach, Matt, and he very easily could have done that. I don't think Eric Bieniemy is getting this job either. When Ron Rivera is gone at the end of this year, I've said this a thousand times already, they're cleaning house and they're bringing in from the outside. And, and, and I don't know that Bieniemy has done enough with this team to deserve that. And I don't think they want to put him in a position now where he becomes the interim head coach for five weeks and he does pretty well. And now you kind of got to do something you don't necessarily want to do. So I think this move makes it very clear to me that at the end of this season, they're all out the door. And it's possible. It's possible, which would make it even more foolish to have him as the OC anyway. Like, let's think about that then. If you knew that this staff was gone anyway after one year, unless they were tremendous together, then why take the number one OC off the board and bring him into your organization and basically say, you have to go 12 and 5 or else you're out of here anyway? Like, that makes even less sense then. Well, I think if they had made the playoffs, and I guess they still have an outside shot if they run the table, they could probably do it. I don't know the math. Or their offense wasn't the problem. I, I could I could see that. And I keep going back. Remember, this ownership group did not hire Eric Bieniemy. He came in before them. So that has something to do with this equation as well. I just don't think he's shown enough offensively that necessarily he is is the guy. I do think they're settled on Sam Howell. I think that is the one thing they are they do believe in, that Sam Howell is their quarterback. Uh, who their coach is going to be and their OC is going to be is a whole different issue. But I, I'm with you. They, they waited way too long. They dragged their heels. They should have done it way back in, in September, whenever that Chicago game was. And now it's another lost season for them. I, 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 I would actually hate that even more to split up the enemy and Sam Howell. If you think Sam Howell's the answer, the reason why Sam Howell's the answer is because Eric Bieniemy's play calling has put him in good situations. Ah, I, I, I don't just, know if I'm buying that. I just hate splitting the two of them up in year two, so you're going to ask him to have two different offensive coordinators his first years in the league. Yeah, I, I, but you got to start over sometime. I just, uh, and I mean, if a, if a new head coach comes in and wants to keep Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator, so be it. I don't know that Bieniemy would do that at that point. But that would be fine. That would be okay. I just don't think they're going to – I just think they're going outside the organization and starting over. I'm going down with the ship, Bob. I'm okay. going down. And if it's the Titanic and I'm, you know, in the in the, <laughs> the cold water because Eric Bieniemy goes elsewhere, then I will admit I'm wrong. But I will still say – and look, I've never said that he's going to get the job, but I think he's going to be like one of the finalists for the okay. job next year. I think they might give him a conversation, but I just think they're going to want to go out. So you go down with the ship in keeping him, and I'll die on the hill with them going somewhere else, and we'll see who's still living, breathing, and talking at the end of this thing. Thing. The other thing I think we both agree on is that the Cowboys are kind of like a paper lion, right? They haven't beaten anybody, and they're they're unbeaten at home, and um, I, I don't think they're 45 points every week good. I, I think they're a solid football team. I don't yes. think they're better than – I think they're better than the Lions. 
I do not think they're better than San Francisco, and I don't think they're better than the Eagles. And that's and that's not a bad thing. I think they're the third best team in the NFC right now. Yeah, probably. I would say third best is probably about third or fourth. Um, I would have had a better argument if the Lions had you know had a turkey on Thanksgiving there and lost to Green Bay at home. Um, but yes, uh, so all right, so let's go there. Uh, Bob and Bob and Matt with you, by the way. Uh, Lewis producing today, 804-327-0888. Matt's with us till about 5.30 this afternoon, so if you want to chime in between now and then, please do, either on the text line, 327-0888, or call us, same number, use the area code 804. So here's my thought on the Eagles. Um, they're 10-1, and one. they're the best team in the National Football League, and they haven't played their best football. They haven't put a complete game together yet. But here's what I'm starting to think about the Eagles. And I mean this in a positive way. I think much like the Phillies, I think this is a team that's going to be built for the postseason. And now they're 10-1 in the regular season. So, so they're not the Atlanta Braves is what I'm saying. They're not running away with the regular season and then collapsing in the postseason. I think this is a team that is building itself for the postseason, that they have the type of players, the mentality of players, that on the biggest stage, they're going to play their best games. And I think we see bits and pieces of that in a game like last night, which was basically a national television game. You know, it had all the elements, Philadelphia, dark, rainy, windy, Buffalo, two Northeast teams, Buffalo's fighting for its playoff life all of that, and the Eagles find a way to win. I think they're going to stub their toe somewhere along the way here, probably in Dallas, but I think this team is positioning itself for another deep run in the postseason. I think they are a heavily flawed team that has not played their best and that could either lose in their first game in the playoffs or win the Super Bowl. I what? You know. Where are you going with heavily flawed team? I know there's a couple of areas. Like secondary would be an area to me, and third down defense was absolutely frustrating last night. Anytime we got the third and seven, eight or nine, uh, Josh Allen was just you know tearing him up. I just think consistency. That, oh, just overall consistency. I, that's why I look. I, I understand it's fun. Well, it's not fun to to go down ten di- ten points at halftime against these good teams and then come back in the second half. But like playoffs are a different animal. And and yeah, if they get the one seed and everybody has to come to the link, I think that helps a lot. Sure. But they also show that like you could beat them if everything breaks right. Remember, if Gabe Davis runs the right route in the in the overtime, the Eagles lose. So no if no doubt. the Eagles and this is the thing they've created there's there's a luck on their side they've created a lot of that luck but they've had a lot of things go right Dallas was on the what seven yard line and they didn't score and they lost the game um, I, I just think that either the luck continue, there was what I, I got to go back and look but the Seattle Mariners one year had the best one run record one run record in Major League Baseball and they had a tremendous regular season and then they got to the postseason and they lost because that luck eventually ran out. I just don't know if the Eagles are the same thing where they're either waiting to play their best until it matters or they're going to keep skating by and eventually they're just not going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah, I think there's a little luck there, but I think this team has the mentality that it's not going to panic, it's going to continue to compete, and at the end, it's going to find a way to win. Um, and I do think in the playoffs, that's going to that's going to raise up even more because you're right about yesterday. I mean, pull out the horseshoe and the smoke and mirrors and everything that you want. Uh, receiver runs the wrong route, or Josh Allen, as he said, guessed wrong and threw it to the wrong side. That ends the game. The ball that that uh, AJ Brown caught but didn't catch. If the officials call that a fumble on the field, I don't think they overturn it to make it an incomplete pass. 
you know, Jake Elliott kicks a 60-yard field goal into the wind and the rain. Now, he's really good. I'll give him credit for that for sure. But they won't push their luck like that. I just think they have an it factor and a mentality that when they get to, to the postseason that they're, they're going to handle their business. That's just kind of the, the feel I'm starting to get about this team. That's just me. I mean, we'll see. Uh, look, you know, obviously, I, I, and I'm sure a lot of people, you might have been as well, that the 49ers are a favorite in the game on Sunday. Um, I was not as much of a surprise. I would say right now the Niners are better than the Eagles. The records are, you know, different, but I think the Niners are a better team right now than the Eagles are. They could be uh, because the Eagles have not put it all together uh, yet at all. And, and they're winning games close and they're winning games by rallying and the 49ers are winning games by two, three touchdowns, it seems, whether they're at whether they're at home or on the road right now. So we'll find out next week. I, I, you know, and you made this point, and I think a lot of other people have. Uh, I guess when you're the defending NFC champs, the, the schedule maker does everything he can to make it hard on you. The stretch of games, number one, and then the next two opponents are going to have a week and a half to prepare for them, right? Yeah. And yeah. It's, a, it's, it's so funny because last year everybody complained because the Eagles' schedule was too easy, and it was. So the NFL's like, all right, we'll fix that. And then they made it the, uh, they turned it from one to 10. Uh, there is no seven or five in the middle with regards to that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the 49ers are coming off the Thanksgiving game, so they'll have some extra rest. Now, they got to travel cross-country. I get that. And then uh, the, the Cowboys coming off Thanksgiving. Are, are, well, they play Thursday night this week, so they'll have time until next week to play the Eagles. So, eh, anyway, I, I just, I, I'm encouraged that they're 10-1 and one playing the way they're playing. Some of it is luck. I agree with that, but I do think they have that it factor, and it's led by Jalen Hurts. There's no doubt about that. But I do think they have some other veteran guys that have that kind of it factor that when, you know, push comes to shove and the lights are the brightest and the stage is the biggest, that they're going to play their best. And and they're getting wins over good teams. That's that's all yes. stuff that matters. It's a shame this is not like the NCAA tournament, Bob, because, you know, their, their resume would be tremendous, but it doesn't matter who you beat once you get to the postseason because everything goes back to zero. Yeah, and I do think that number one seed is huge, especially in the Eagles' case, obviously playing with the home field advantage they have in Philadelphia. I, I do think that would be huge as well. All right, uh, so there's some NFL talk for you. Let's keep it rolling here. It's uh, just about a quarter after five, Monday edition expanded edition of what we like to call Mashup Monday with Matt Josephs. I'm Bob Black, Lois producing today, and here's where we're heading this afternoon. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure you'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's Drive Home Headlines. Which are brought to you by James River Air. If you're not happy with your heating and cooling system, call James River Air for a free in-home consultation. Online, check them out, James River Air. Well, more of the same for us this afternoon. We're going to roll all the way up until 6 o'clock. We'll continue to talk about all of the top stories over the weekend and really through the past week or so since we haven't been on in quite a while. Uh, We'd love to hear from you, 804-327-0888. That's also our text line. I think you heard the story on the SportsCenter update. Another NFL head coach firing today, Frank Reich, out with Carolina. That was a disaster. They go 1-10. He doesn't even make it through a full season and he's out in Carolina. All right, well, let's get out for just a minute. We'll come back on the other side. One more segment with Matt, so uh, uh, we'll let Matt choose where we head in this next segment, what he wants to talk about, and we'll do that. We'll get down to the bottom of the hour, and he'll leave us, and then we'll finish up until 6 o'clock on 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. Mashup Monday. Matt Josephs, Bob Black here, taking you up until 6 o'clock. 
Bob, it's your favorite time of year. It's uh, transfer portal season. <laughs> and uh, we have a local product who is uh, throwing his hat into the ring. Uh, Chris Tyree, the uh, Thomas Dale oh, yeah. product with Notre Dame, has announced he is transferring from uh, from Notre Dame. Huh. Where is he headed? Well, I mean, we used to say, oh, is he going to Tech or UVA? But right. now it's like, oh, is he going to JMU? Is he going to ODU? Like, what? what's up? Yeah. Huh. It, how long had he been there? Uh, I'm looking at his profile now. He has been there for four years. So he's got the one year left, right? Yes. I would think. Although uh, he probably still has a COVID year. I think we've got one more year of that. I can't take it anymore with this I stuff. I need it, these people to, to stay four years now, please. I, I think the coaches are really tired of it, to be honest with you. In both sports, football and basketball, I think they're just, they can't wait to get through this cycle at this point and get back to some, some normalcy where we won't have six and seven year uh, players. So. Anyway. Uh, so we've seen so far Kansas State's starting, starting quarterback, Will Howard. He has entered the portal. Uh, Blake Shapin, the starting quarterback for Baylor, or one of the quarterbacks at Baylor. Uh, Buffalo's starting quarterback. Um, it looks like a Kansas State running back so far, so it is your favorite time of year, Bob. Oh, yeah. I saw. Mich- Did you say Michigan State's? Uh, that's right. Michigan State's yep. quarterback is yep. also going. Yeah, I saw that also because we played against him, so... Uh, did, did see that one. And how about all the coaching moves already? Yeah. 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 I, I'm glad Syracuse did not go with the uh, rumored hire. Um, Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen. Yeah. I mean, he's on TV. He's not, he's not, he's not coaching now. So like that, that kind of tells me something. I think the, uh, the Holy Cross coach seems to be the front runner. What would you think about that? I don't, I <sighs> I'm more of the hot assistant guy. Okay. The name I want is Brennan Marion, who obviously Tribe fans remember, because he was the guy who ran the go-go offense at William & Mary back when their offense was amazing, two, what, two years ago. And now he's at UNLV, and UNLV's obviously in the Mountain West Championship game because of the go-go offense. So I would love to hire Brennan Marion. Okay, that's not a bad choice. Um, Because I do think that's going to take some selling at Syracuse to hire an FCS guy. Now, he's been really good um, and obviously has Northeast connections up there for sure. But I I think that's going to take some convincing of the fan base at Syracuse. And I think, obviously, you know, look, I'm just tired of all the the retreads. I did find it funny, Bob, were you paying attention? I guess it was Saturday night. When everybody said Mark Stoops was going oh, to yeah. Texas A&M, and then Mark Stoops is like, yeah, I'm not going to Texas A&M. I'm staying at Kentucky. I knew better, Matt, because I have an inside source at Duke <laughs> that was basically telling me they were in the market for a new head football coach. <laughs> so uh, I kind of knew that one was coming a little bit there. I feel bad for Duke because I think Mike Elko did a great job um, there in two years to really turn that thing around. Had people actually excited about Duke football, was playing an exciting brand of football. Uh, you know, They had some injury issues, a quarterback at the end of the year. They're still going to go to a bowl game. Um, yeah, but it makes sense for Texas A&M. I mean, when they were good uh, under Jimbo Fisher, it was Mike Elko who was, you know, leading the way on the defensive side. Oh, yeah. By the way, Riley Leonard is heavily 
rumored to be transferring out of Duke, but it hasn't well, happened yet. Probably to Texas A&M is probably where he's going to go with, with Mike Elko. And that's something you never saw in the old days either. When a coach left, he wouldn't dare take any of those players. Like, that was poaching from the school, and now that's as commonplace as the transfer portal itself. Yeah, and it's just it's just I I never get the guys who are transferring before their bowl game. Like there's one more game left. Like you can't just stay the last game. You really have to leave. I I don't get it either. I don't. I don't know why they do that. Um, yeah, your guess is as good as mine. And then we'll get into your favorite time of year, and that's all these players that aren't going to play in bowl games because they're afraid they're going to get hurt and it's going to impact their draft status. Because bowl games are the best, Bob. Just because you don't love them doesn't mean I I can't. I didn't say that. I I love bowl games. I just wish we didn't have so many mediocre teams. And I do wish, if you were on a team all year long, that you would play in the darn bowl game, no matter how good or bad it is. I mean, I get it. It's a business for some of those guys at that point, and there's no sense playing in it because they'll go to the, the combine and they'll go to the senior bowl, and they don't want to get hurt in a meaningless bowl game. But you've been with those guys in that locker room for 16 weeks, including August. Uh, you you should play in that bowl game. That's my opinion. Oh, you wouldn't be talking about Caleb Williams, would you? you guys like that. Any of those guys. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. He, he wasted uh, 12, 12 games with uh, with USC this season. I think he could play one more. Exactly. I, I agree. Uh, let me let me uh, do one call with you here, and then because uh, I'm sure Reggie wants to talk to you as much as he wants to talk to me. So we'll take Reggie, and then we'll, we'll kind of let you go and get on your way here on a Monday evening. Reggie, hello. You're on the air. How are you? How was your Thanksgiving weekend? Hey, gentlemen, fine. I hope both of you all was fine as always, but... Before I talk about your HBCU schedule, University of Richmond <laughs> being going three and two. <laughs> we won the important Man, one, Reggie. We won, <laughs> we won the important one. Of all those HBCU games, we won the one that counted most. <laughs> yeah. What was the crowd like from North Carolina Special? That was my very good. They brought it, didn't they? They did. Absolutely very good. No doubt about it. At did one they, point, I admit it. they the band, too? Uh, they did not bring the band, but they did bring the cheerleaders. And I will admit it, oh, and I was yeah. the only one who said it, and I said it on the air at one point when they were winning. It sounded like a NC Central home game for about 15 minutes there. Yeah. Then it changed. Yeah, well, but Richmond has to tighten up. But anyway, gentlemen, I'm going to get both of your opinion on the Alabama. My wife went to Alabama. Her sister went to Auburn. So, <laughs> need to say, when that touchdown in, in the final seconds, I want to get both of y'all thoughts on the Alabama-Auburn game. Matt? Uh, I can't believe he was open, and and he yeah. he was open, but like he wasn't that open. But like I don't understand how that happens. Like that guy was all by himself with the corner in the corner of the end zone. Like I I just I don't understand how that happens. What, what was like third and or was like fourth and goal or whatever. So like that should have never happened. And it was like fourth and twenty one or something, wasn't it? Something like that. It was a while. It was well, a long way. Yeah, it was. I, I I I agree. Inexplicable. I don't know how you don't cover that. And as Matt said, especially in the corner of the end zone, the guy's nowhere else to go. Like the the the, the back line is another defender in that thing. I don't I don't get it. But I mean, keeps Alabama's yeah. hopes alive here if they can get Georgia. Well, come on, gentlemen. If Alabama beats Georgia, roll tide, roll tide. Well, well, <laughs> so you're on the Alabama side of this Alabama. thing, huh? I got to pull for. Hey, yep. look, my wife is an eagle. She's in Philly too, but she's a big time Eagle fan. 
Well, they had a play very similar to that last night, the catch that uh, Zacchaeus made, the former UVA wide receiver, on that on that Hurts threw in the end zone. It was almost identical yeah. to that play, actually. There were two of them this weekend. It was crazy. Must All right, Reggie. Alabama play. <laughs> yep. Thank you, gentlemen. Y'all have uh, a good week. Thanks, Reggie. Appreciate it. Yeah, there, there were a couple crazy ones there for sure. All right, Bob, um, so real quick. Yes. The college football playoff, see if you agree with me. So the four spots, I think, are going to go to either Oregon or Washington. Yeah. Um, I think it's either going to Georgia or Alabama. Okay. Michigan. And then Florida State. Ooh. Well, I mean, it makes sense. They're unbeaten, and I will say this for Florida State. They have lived up to all the yakking they did, right? I mean, we all said that at the beginning of the year when they were complaining and moaning about needing more money and going to get out of the ACC, and we all kind of said, well, win games. Well, they've won games, so I'll give them credit for that. I will. Uh, and I'll tell you what, if they beat Louisville, how would you keep them out at 13-0? and Yeah, and I mean, it would come down to them and Texas, I guess. And I just, you know, Texas would be 12-1. and um, Their win in the championship game wouldn't be as good because Louisville's better than Oklahoma State. And you've got to put Washington or Oregon in. If Oregon wins, they belong in because by virtue of the win over Washington. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, I, but, I mean, I think if Florida State wins, that's, that's a no-brainer there. Uh, but I don't... Yeah, I don't know who's out then. The question uh, is, if Michigan loses, do they still get in? Uh, and they're playing who, Iowa? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to. No, I think if they lose to Iowa, they may not be in. So then who's the fourth? Uh, Texas? Texas, probably. Yeah, because you got 11-1, right? They're 11-1. Oregon's 11-1. Alabama's 11-1. Yeah, I guess Texas. Michigan's not losing to Iowa. No. I'd, I'd be shocked. No. Yeah. I'd, I'd be shocked. So, uh, you think Alabama can get Georgia? Mm, well, I never like to say no because Alabama has you know that voodoo around it, and like they it just does. they just seemingly win even when they're not as good. But Georgia's pretty good this year. I, I will actually say I will actually take Alabama because I really like Jalen Milrow. I think Jalen yeah. Milrow is better than Carson Beck, and I think Nick Saban's better than Kirby Smart. So I actually I actually will pick Alabama in that game. All right. We'll, we'll be listening for that for sure. And then uh, you think Tulane comes out of the uh, the group of five? Ugh. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because I'm telling. Because Jamie's better than Tulane, oh, and it's okay. and it's just. Right. I mean, this is the thing, Bob. And obviously, it's better that we're not in the 12 team playoff because then JMU would have been guaranteed a playoff spot potentially. But like, it's just it's just a disgrace. Now Tulane's not bad. But JMU's better than Tulane, and JMU should be playing in the New Year's Six Bowl, and instead Tulane's going to get there. Uh, yes, I do think they beat SMU, though. Yeah, they'd be 12-1. and one. They'd be deserving at that point. Uh, we're going to differ on that one, too. Um, rules are rule. Play by the rules. That, that's you know kind of the way it is. Throw that's Liberty what... in there, then. Yeah, okay, let's throw Liberty in there. I'd be fine with that. Well, Liberty has But I know their schedule was so bad, you know, they couldn't help but go unbeaten. And by the way, as we talk about the Heisman, um, Caden Salter put up Heisman-like numbers, but obviously there's no way in hell he will go. But, like, if you look, 2,400 passing yards, 29 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, 899 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns. That's pretty strong. But against nobody and with no one watching, Agreed. but his right. highs, his numbers are very good. Yeah, no doubt about it. So who do you think wins it? Um, oh, that's so tough because Jalen Milrow put, should have put himself on the map. Yeah. 
Um, Bo Nix, obviously, you know, you could start voting now, but you don't have to until after conference championship game. If Oregon wins, I think it's got to be Bo Nix. Okay. I could see that happening. You don't get a vote, do you? I did, wish. Yeah, I thought at one point you did. No. I wish. I you wish. Should. I need I, to talk uh, to David Teal because I think he's the uh, Virginia uh, person who takes care of that for uh, the state of Virginia. We should get you on that. Really I wish. would love that. Yeah. You would be one of the more educated voters, I would say. How many voters are there? Like hundreds or? Well, it's every winner, right? Every winner and a bunch of other, you know, media members and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you know who else would deserve some some love? And obviously, once again, they, they'll never happen because the NCAA doesn't even think their statistics are real. Look at Jordan McLeod. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. 32 touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, eight rushing touchdowns, 3,400 passing yards, 311 rushing yards, and he didn't even start the season, which I actually may ask Kurt Signetti on Thursday to look back at that decision. You know, Obviously, look, Alonzo Barnett didn't play that whole game, and they made the change quick, but does he regret or does he think any differently now about that decision to start the year with Alonzo as opposed to Jordan? Good question. I mean, I imagine what he's going to say is, you know, on the practice field, he beat him out at that point. And then things changed, and McLeod got better. Uh, I don't know. He'll just go win a bowl game, and then he's back for another year, right? He's got another year. He does have another year, which is tremendous. It is. Great. All right. Thank you, Matt. This was awesome. Love you uh, sitting in for the extra half hour today, plus your show and all of that. And uh, you got a full week, right? I do. Uh, we got all sorts of good stuff. We're talking with Wayne Galloway on uh, Wednesday. Oh, good. You'll love that. Two pick sixes there, Matt, for Wayne Galloway this year. So he's he's got one up in the linebacker room for the Spiders because he's the only one that's done that. And so. I've been told a very nice Louisiana accent. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's lost a little of it having been at Richmond for the past several years, but it's still there for sure. So you can talk to him about that as well. Well-spoken young man. You'll do fine with him for sure. All right. Uh, we'll be listening tomorrow at 3 o'clock, Matt. Sounds good. All right, there goes Matt Josephs, Border to Border, uh, back tomorrow afternoon at 3. I am not back tomorrow afternoon at 4 because uh, Richmond fo- uh, basketball, boy, I better get that straight for the next five days or so. Richmond basketball is traveling tomorrow uh, to play at Wichita State, 6-1, and one, Wichita State on Wednesday night. That is a really good crossroads kind of game for both of those teams. Wichita State came to the Robin Center and won last year. Spiders are playing well right now. They'll try and turn it around on Wednesday night. Well, I'll talk a little spider basketball. I haven't done that at all uh, this afternoon. Let, we'll get into a little bit of that since we are the home of the Spiders on the other side and a little bit more football talk for you as well as we get you up to the top of the hour. Already about 25 of 6. Uh, stay with us. Come back after the break. 106.1 ESPN. The NFL season is in full swing, and we don't want anyone to forget. We have NFL coverage every Sunday afternoon, as well as every Dallas Cowboys broadcast. Here on your home for sports in the River City, 1061 ESPN Richmond. Wesley Financial Group is not a. Welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle, in case you forgot during that break. <laughs> uh, take you up until 6 o'clock, 804 327. 0888. Uh, Matt Josephs and I talked a lot about the bowl games today and uh, Liberty and JMU potentially playing. I had a text from our good buddy uh, Tribe Bill, one of our great supporters, listeners, and texters. Said that probably will not happen, though, in all likelihood go their separate ways. But we'd love to see a bowl game between Liberty and JMU. My pick would be the Dukes. 3828, your thoughts. Well, I think we know Matt's. 
for sure. Uh, he'd be picking JMU. I think I would too. I think their strength of schedule is better. I think they're a little more explosive offensively and uh, locked down defensively, particularly against the run. So I would go JMU over Liberty as well. And as somebody texted us earlier, they do have a series when we get to 2030-something or so. JMU and Liberty are scheduled to play. But it would be kind of fun, to, at least for those of us in the Commonwealth of Virginia, it would be kind of fun uh, to see them play uh, this year. I don't know about the rest of the country, but let's get them to a nice place and a good bowl game, uh, show them a good time, and then they show us a good game on the field. All right, a couple quick thoughts on Richmond basketball. I hadn't gotten to that. We talked some VCU hoops um, earlier while Matt was still here. Um, Spiders taking care of business, really, uh, especially in the last few games. Now, look, they lost at Boston College by, what, seven? and by five to Colorado. So solid performances there, but I think the guys being around them were like, okay, that's good, but that's not what we're here for. We need to win some of these games, uh, these non-conference games. We're playing well enough to do that, and I think they showed it against UNLV. Uh, schools out on UNLV, what kind of team they're eventually going to be this year. They were they were a top 100 team uh, when the season started in the Ken Palm and all of that, and the Spiders played great. At both ends of the court, on a neutral floor, won that game 82-65, and then came back and did what they were supposed to do against Queens, uh, winning that game easily 90-61. Queens used to be a really good Division II program, which is transitioning to Division One. really no match for, for the Spiders. And I think what Richmond is finding out are, are some of the parts to the puzzle are making progress. Like, Jordan King has been great, probably even better than the Spiders thought he would be, averaging over 20 points a game. I think Neil Quinn has made, uh, by leaps and bounds, significantly better than last year. And it's so interesting because he credits so much of it to his work with a couple of former Spiders in Grant Golden and T.J. Klein, big men who can pass and have good moves around the basket and could finish. And Neil Quinn is really starting to show that at this point. And Isaiah Bigelow is coming into his own and off of the bench. Jai Bailey and Mike Walls uh, doing the same. I, I think the injury to Delani Hunt uh, will be a, as a setback at the moment for the Spiders. He's missed the last couple of games with that wrist injury. That started, you know, the first four games was playing about 30 minutes a game. So they'll have to kind of figure that out moving forward. Mikel Tyne, the young freshman, has filled in admirably, uh, is really quick has a really good assist-to-turnover ratio already and can steal the ball. Uh, so, that, you know, they've got some help there. So I think it's encouraging right now for the Spiders, and they're going to get some tests here uh, coming up. Their, their schedule is challenging for them, and Matt mentioned VCU's schedule, not necessarily um, the type of schedule that would get you an NCAA at-large berth down the road, uh, per se. Uh, I think Richmond's schedule is much closer to that to that goal because of of what they've got they've got two games coming up here both on the road at wichita state and at northern iowa the next two wednesday nights uh that they'll learn more about themselves win or lose they're going to learn a lot about themselves in those games and they've got a game at florida pseudo neutral court not far from from florida's campus down there in sunrise uh florida and then three home games to finish out non-conference play before they get into atlantic 10 play so there there are some games there that the spiders play well they should win and then they've got these matchups that are kind of toss up until you get to the arena and you play the game and they're challenging because they're not in the robin center but so far so good i would say for richmond at four and two
All right, one more break here, and then we'll finish it up, get you up to 6 o'clock again. No sports huddle tomorrow and Wednesday. I'm traveling with Richmond basketball to that Wichita State game that you'll hear here on 1061 ESPN, 7 o'clock airtime, 7.30 Eastern time at Wichita State. It's a 6.30 tip out there in Wichita, Kansas. We're appreciative of that with the hour time difference for sure. So no sports huddle tomorrow and Wednesday. I'll be in studio Thursday with Sean Robertson uh, for the Feel Good Thursday edition of the sports huddle. And then on the road again Friday to Albany for Spider Football on Saturday afternoon. Uh, finish it up next. Sports Huddle 1061 ESPN. the show on a Monday afternoon. NFL wraps up the week with, um, honestly, not the most intriguing of NFL Monday night games tonight. The Bears and the Vikings tonight. Bears at 3-8, and eight, wallowing through another very difficult season. I guess, actually, for the Vikings, they're, they're still in this thing, even without Kirk Cousins. They're at... Um, they're at six and five, so they're they're still in the mix right now, moving forward. So this would be an important game for Minnesota tonight, but I don't know that the nation is going to really embrace this one all that much. Uh, kind of that old black and blue division game between the Vikings and the Bears um, tonight. That's your that's your Monday night game. Uh, this evening that will wrap up an NFL week that uh, did not have a lot of great games. It had one tremendous game, the Bills-Eagles game, and I'm not saying that because the Eagles won. Well, yeah, I am. No, I'm not. Um, It was a great game, and it's interesting because when you're a fan of one of the teams and that game is going on, you don't realize necessarily how good the game is because you're so worried about whether your team's going to win or lose. And I felt that way yesterday. After the game was done, I could breathe a little bit, and the Eagles won. I was like, you know what? That was actually a really highly entertaining, interesting game, played at a high level in miserable conditions last night. Uh, But other than that, the NFL did not have a lot of great games uh, this weekend for whatever reason. So uh, hopefully next week it'll be a little bit better. We'll get some – and as we get closer to the playoffs, obviously that's certainly – certainly going to happen uh there's not a whole lot of college basketball tonight either we don't really get into the um you know monday night kind of games until we get into conference play well one atlantic 10 game fordham is playing manhattan that's important to those two teams up there in the big apple Uh, but that's it and again i'll say it again it's been a pretty good start for the atlantic 10 i think they had another uh five and oh day uh, yesterday, including a power conference win. VCU's win over Penn State, no matter when that game was played and for what place in the tournament, uh, that in a regular season uh, goes a long way uh, for the conference and for VCU. So that certainly helps all the way around that they won that game against Penn State. Of course, they get the bragging rights on Mike Rhodes as well. Um, all right, so no show tomorrow. No show on Wednesday. Spider basketball on Wednesday night. Back on Thursday with Sean Robertson. Athletics all year round. W291CL Lakeside Richmond. WURVHD2 Richmond. We are 1061 ESPN.
might deliver a lot of hay. ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Chris Carlin, Joe Fortenball. This is Carlin versus Joe. There's a handful of yous every year who do this who think it is just so clever to come out and go anti-turkey. It's It's one day a year. It's a tradition. You don't like it, you can keep it to yourself. I don't understand why there's this, hey man, turkey's overrated, okay? So are the Jets. What are we going to do? Carlin versus Joe. Weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. (laughs) Game day in the ACC. We live for it. It's my definition of success. It's time for football in front of a packed house under the lights. It's the traditions, the triumphs, oh, everything you love about ACC football. Come for it all. Watch live on ACCN and stream on the ESPN app. And ESPN Radio Extra Point. With Evan Cohen, Chris Canty, and Michelle Smallman. Real or fake, the L.A. Rams are a playoff team. Oh, that's fake. That's faker than a $3 bill. Don't trust it. Uh, don't trust it. It's not real. It's not going to happen. They're not making the postseason. Now, listen, there aren't a whole lot of juggernauts that are in line to take those last two wild card spots in the NFC. But I do think that it ends up being the Minnesota Vikings and the Seattle Seahawks. Now, the Seahawks will probably have to contend with the Green Bay Packers who coincidentally uh, had a situation where they had to play the Rams recently and then not necessarily went the way they wanted to. But here's the thing. I think that Green Bay has a chance with the way that Jordan Love is playing uh, to get into the postseason. I honestly do. And I think that the Rams are going to find themselves on the outside looking in. As of now, I would say fake. I just don't think they're good enough to get in. I just don't. The Chase Inc. Business Premier Card is made for people who make things happen, like me. I'm Sam, founder and CEO of Manifest, a product design company that makes everyday products design smarter. I get 2.5%